You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, Make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. This is such a special day because we get to talk about our mysterious type fives today. I am so grateful we have Jennifer Passmore. She's the principal of Dunn Prep. I am so grateful. She's also my pastor's wife over at Woodland Community Church. And Jennifer is demystifying the type five for us. And not only that, she's giving fives and five partners, really good thinking skill ideas. So you are not going to leave this episode without a lot of good tips, a lot of good stories, vulnerable stories, and really that inside peek at five that I think everybody's longing for. And believe me when I say that I even learned new things from this episode, even though I have had sessions with fives for literal years. So Jennifer's vulnerability just blew me out of the water. I was so thankful and happy. And of course, we're all so real as much as we can possibly be amidst thousands of people on this podcast, but we try really hard to be. And I feel like she really does show up as very genuine and also a person who is healthy for us to grow with and learn from. So I'm so grateful. Before she comes on, I want to tell you guys that I'm so happy to say that we We have the Gospel for Enneagram conference coming up. You know, Tyler Zach is putting this conference on. And if you're just somebody who this Easter season or whenever you're listening really has a need for and longs for a relationship with God, this is a great space to learn about God, to come up against some of the stuff that we all experience with faith. And some of that might even be where you're like, yeah, I have questions about faith in the Enneagram. But this is a space where I'm thankful for. especially because I think that sometimes even in my field of marriage, we can put spouses ahead of God. We can forget that our relationship work involves spiritual lenses. And so it's just a refreshing space for us. We always take a pause on this and we'll do so in April where we really cover different topics with some spiritual lenses anyway here at this podcast. But Tyler Zach has really the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today and so many other thoughtful faith leaders who are going to be part of this conference. So make sure you check it out in the show notes. It's absolutely free. Or if you need to watch it in bits and pieces because you're at work and you like to record things, then there's also a deeper dive package that you can get to where you get an all access pass with also bonuses. So I'm grateful to be a part of this. I wanted to make sure you knew about it, but let's jump in with Jennifer now and let's learn together all about the type five in this fun conversation. Get your cup of coffee or tea ready. This is going to be great. Jennifer, I'm so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, well, everybody wants to hear about fives. This is our mystery type. Is it really? Oh, well, that'll be great. 
yeah, we really love learning about fives and we're so grateful. I get to work with a lot of fives in the coaching vicinity, but um, we see a lot of threes and sevens want to do podcasting with us. So we're really grateful. And thank you. Tell us about yourself and your family. Oh, okay. So um, I am in education. Uh, I started out teaching in uh, public schools and then I moved into into this position where I'm the principal of a school. Um, and uh, I, I love it. It's, it's just a great um, fit for me. It's really, really fun. Um, I am married to a pastor who is a six. Yeah. Um, we have lots of fun together. Um, and we have four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them um, were natural born. And then we adopted an eight-year-old in the mix of an eight-year-old boy in the mix of all of that. So it was a little crazy, but you know, everybody's, everybody's grown now. I don't know why I got this idea that I would be finished new parenting. And then it was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe 25, but I really feel like finally, you know, as my kids are approaching 30, (laughs) like, okay. Oh, that's so helpful for us to hear. You're just helping us to know it's a long game, huh? I don't know that I was prepared for that, but yeah. And you as a five, we know you like to be prepared. Oh, Oh, that's beautiful. I love though, that you're giving us that hope. Like there are spaces where it does lift. You have been in the education world for 30 years. You have a, like a wonderful ministry and community outreach that I get to be a part of in my family. So I just want to say huge thank you to you. Oh, that's thoughtful. Thank you. Mm, no, we're so grateful. And I love your five, six marriage and the ways you shine together. So tell us a little bit about that. We have some listeners who are in that pairing and just dying to know what's ahead or what it's been like for you. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it, it has been a really interesting, a really interesting journey for, for us. So Tim, he's, he is, he is very much a a six, and then he has some anxiety and OCD on top of that. <laughs> so yeah, we, we deal with a lot of that worst case scenario in our house. And because I'm a, a five, I tend not to, you know, not to participate in yeah. going down the road of the worst possible case scenario. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, he's also uh, bipolar. So he, he's got his ups and downs. And then I am very steady. Like, um, uh, it, sometimes it's hard for him to take how unemotional, um, I can, I can be. <laughs> and, um, but on the other, on the other hand, it's very steadying for him that I don't go down that worst case scenario path with him. And, you know, I can, I can be, you know, strong and, and remind him of reality and, you know, things like that and, uh, you know, help him turn his, his thinking around. Um, for, for me, he has, he's, he's helped me. Um, well, he's helped me be more funny. Like (laughs) when, um, when we first started, uh, dating, you know, he's just a lot of fun and he really is funny. And I'm not so much, you know, and so um, I feel like I've uh, 
he, he's just pulled that out of me. And, and that's been, that's been really, really great. So we, we balance each other out really well. He likes to dream. Um, he can, you know, he's very visionary and, and those kinds of things. I like to dream too. I like, you know, to think about that, but I have a harder time doing it. Like I can dream and think about all those things and get really in my head. Yeah. I may not actually go through with it, <laughs> but he's, he's, uh, he's been good about, you know, helping me, you know, share those things and say those things out loud. Because when you do get out of your head and say those things and that other people can hear them and share in them, then they can encourage you, you know, they can help make those things happen and, and that was something that I had all kinds of dreams and thoughts in my head. I just would rarely share them. Mm. And so um, he helps a lot with that. I mean, when we were first married, he would say to me things like, you know, you don't, you don't talk very much, <laughs> which is true. You know, I would get lost in my own thoughts. I, when he would say those things to me, I would want to try and, and be more active in conversation and tell him things that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. There were times as a five, I, re- I remember thinking in my head, oh, I should probably just say this out loud. You mm-hmm. know, I just need to just say this out loud and sometimes would not be able to mm-hmm. and then get really frustrated with myself because I I know this would mean so much to him if I could just <laughs> say these things. And, um, and no, I just, you know, I just don't have the energy <laughs> to be able to put that out there. So um, <laughs> I'm very much a five. Um, yeah, yeah. You just explain some of it to us also to help us to see the why behind it. Cause I think that for the other types who don't get that, there's such a lingering question about why. And so we were right in the next question. I was going to ask you, like, let's delve some some let's give some depth to this fiveness. Where do you think that stems from? And we're willing to go anywhere and everywhere with you on that as mm-hmm. to why, because we know you've thought it out as a five. Right. So um, it was, I don't know, maybe five years ago, uh, four or five years ago, where um, somebody brought up the idea of Enneagram and I'd never heard of that. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. I like like to learn, you know, I like to understand myself. And so I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this. And so I, I took a test and, you know, it, uh, it showed that I was the five and I was like, okay. Um, so I began reading, of course, about what it meant. And um, I had almost like a visceral, I guess that's a good word for it. Just this like moment where when I'm reading about being a five, I was taken back to when I was six, seven years old. And um, in that, that moment, that time, I can look back on that and see uh, almost like looking outside my body um, and watching myself in my mind as a child and the thoughts that I was thinking and the ways in which I dealt with this particular situation is very much a five. I mean, completely a five. So um, I had been molested by a neighbor 
And um, I was six, seven years old. And uh, he was, uh, he was like a teenager. Um, I'm not exactly sure how old, but somewhere in that teenage um, area. And um, I remember um, not really thinking that much about it. Mm -hmm. uh, But evidently, my parents or his parents, or it became known that this had happened. And so when, when that happened, I was, I I became very aware that something bad happened. And there were conversations and um, anger, and I knew something was going on. I knew it was related to this. And um, my parents were very, very upset. And uh, nobody talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody came and said, um, you know, hey, we're uh, asking any questions or I just knew that I had done something or been a part of something that was really terrible. Yeah. And it was really upsetting to my parents, but nobody ever discussed it with me. Mm-hmm. And I began, I mean, I, I remember just kind of disconnecting and thinking to myself, well, you're obviously disgusted by me. You're you're so upset with me that you don't even want to talk to me about it. And so, um, you know, that's okay. I'm just gonna be by myself. I'm just gonna, you know, um, not be a part of this. And I mean, those were thoughts that I remember having, and. Um, you know, uh, very much about, uh, hiding things from my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, not, I didn't want them to get to know me, um, because I didn't think that they, you know, I didn't think they really liked me, um, because of this. And so I just became like my own best friend in my head and, and very much disconnected from, uh, from them. I didn't share my emotions with them. Um, I, now I had a great childhood and I love my mom and dad. Um, when I got older, um, and you know, uh, maybe even before I had my first child, but around the time and definitely after I had my first child, you get this understanding. Oh, you know what? They did the best job they could do. They they didn't understand that I knew. So what they thought that they were doing, they thought they were protecting me because they thought that I was unaware. So yeah. we're just not going to say anything because maybe she doesn't know. Like that was this whole like revelation that, mm. oh, my parents didn't know that I knew that anything bad had happened. You know, yeah. they weren't aware of that. So they figured the best thing to do to not tell me, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to pretend like it didn't happen because they didn't think that I could understand or was aware, you know. And so, um, you know, that was the that was how they decided to handle the situation. Because what if I wasn't uh, really aware that that it was a terrible thing, or maybe it maybe it didn't happen a, a, enough, or or you know, whatever. And that was just their. Let's just don't even talk to her, tell her about it. So 
as an adult looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, my parents did the best that they could. They thought they were protecting me, um, you know, and that kind of thing. They had no idea what was going on inside of my head. They had no idea. I, I understood that they were upset and that this was, a, mm-hmm. you know, that aware that even this fracture disruption, you know, trauma had even occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I read about being a five, I was like, that's exactly what I did to protect myself, oh. you know, as a child, not yeah. being able to understand, not being able to process and make sense of this thing that was going on, not having any control of your life because you're a kid. Um, and that's how I, you know, survived some of those, mm-hmm. those challenges. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, without that ability, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, to go inside my head and to, you know, uh, the, I, I don't know how I would have responded to that. And, you know, um, it's, you know, it's that mixed bag. It's that thing where I do view my five as a gift. I really do. Um, but I also see that, you know, it, it did, uh, put some distance between me and my mom. Um, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, put that little bit of a separation between us. Um, but I always felt like I was in control of that separation, you know, that I could tell my mom if I wanted to, but I, you know, uh, I don't want to do that. It's just too hard. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but, you know, uh, cause even when I was a teenager, I thought about bringing it up yeah. and then I was just like, nah, it's just, <laughs> That's just too hard. Right. I really do a lot of emotion. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say a lot of my five clients at least tell me, I think about it all the time, but then when I play it all out and, you know, sometimes they write out scripts for me and they'll say, this is scenario one, two, three, and maybe they're not always written, but you kind of know what it would look like. It feels like as a five. And so you might say it's not worth it to tell in different cases, sometimes with life or marriage, at least that's what I've been learning about fives. Right. Yeah. Because it does take a lot of energy (laughs) to, be emotional and, you know, dredge all that up. And, um, that sometimes I think it's not worth it and it's not worth it because I understand, like (laughs) I can, I understand my mom's perspective. Now I understand she did the best she could. I understand that she really loved me and that even though I didn't understand why they didn't talk to me about this or, you know, uh, and, and part of my thoughts were that, you know, they were disappointed or, you know, um, were upset with me. I still, I still felt like, you know, my parents did love me. And so it wasn't, yeah, I just, it wasn't worth it. Mm, Yeah. And I was going to ask you, when is it worth it sometimes in life and in marriage as a five 
to talk about it because I know you're trauma informed. I know because I know Jennifer and I shared a bit before she came on, you guys know she, here she is trauma informed. I mean, you're the one who inadvertently introduced me to Dan Siegel's work. And I know you've helped a lot of my friends with their kids with attachment issues. And you just, you have this reputation amongst the community of being someone who will painstakingly walk with somebody through trauma with their child. So um, when do you think is the time when energy notwithstanding it's worth it to tell like as you've evolved and marriage and in life in in that situation because it happened such a long time ago mm-hmm. there was really not much that was that i felt like could come out of that situation yeah. but for the most part i feel like um that it's worth it to share because if you don't share, if I would have shared with my parents, yeah. they would have been able to say, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't know that you knew, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, we had this um, division and this disruption in our relationship because we had two different perspectives. Um, my parents didn't know that I knew something was wrong. And I didn't know that they weren't upset. They were trying to protect me. Mm -hmm. So if we had shared, you know, uh, if I had shared, then I would have been able to understand their perspective. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the motivation for me is always to understand. And so, um, but I cannot truly understand anything without somebody else's perspective. So in order to fully understand any situation, you have to, you have to have the other person's perspective and they have to have yours. And so that means that you have to share. Ooh, wow. We are just loving that. (laughs) Thank you for that wisdom. But it's, it's the motivation to get me to share Mm -hmm. is that, that idea that I can't see it from your point of view unless I tell you what I'm thinking and then you tell me what you're thinking. And then um, I'm sort of addicted to that aha moment, you know, that, oh, now I get it. Now I understand what you were thinking and what I'm thinking. And, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, that funny little, oh, ha ha ha, you know, um, we, we were both sometimes using the same words and coming away with a different meaning. So that is the thing that has gotten me to that point. And, um, and then also um, I see how my five has not been a benefit necessarily to my kids. Like um, I did not let my kids feel anything. I mean, they were not allowed yeah. to feel any emotion. I was very much, a, you know, a like, yeah. you know, shake it off. You're Okay. <laughs> keep going. Um, you know, that kind of thing. If they were sick, you know, it was always, well, it's probably just your sinuses, you know, oh, I have a sore throat mom. Yeah. It's probably just sinuses. You know, we didn't see the doctor very much. Um, and I mean, my kids tease me about that now. Yes. We uh, get it all later, right? Yes. Yes. And, um, what I've, I've, um, learned some things recently about empathy Mm. and how, when you empathize with somebody, and you let them know that that when when you empathize, people know that oh, you understand me, 
And when you're with somebody and you feel like they really understand you, there is a connection there. And I want that connection. Um, and I feel like I kind of miss that connection with my kids. Because I, I was not very compassionate and understanding when they had big mo- emotions and big feelings. I wanted to sweep that stuff under the rug and, you know, I don't want to deal with that. So it was like, come on, you know, get your big girl pants on and, you know, and, and move forward. And so my poor children, (laughs) and now that they're adults, I mean, you know, and a couple of them are in therapy, it's, you know, it's really interesting to, to let them tell me those things, you know, and say, um, and not in a bad way, joking and teasing about, you know, their childhood. But again, I didn't know their perspective when they were little. Now that they're adults, they're telling me, oh, this is how I felt about that. Or this is what I was thinking when that, you know, that event or that thing took place. And, and uh, I don't like the feeling of, oh, I didn't have the whole truth. I didn't have the whole understanding because I was not good at or motivated or wanted to share my own emotions. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm. that part has really uh, helped me, you know, um, make the most of being five. Yeah, that's beautiful because you're, I mean, you are gifting the generation listening who is raising kids or prior to raising kids, or even the ones later who are feeling the same thing as you're feeling. And I can experience some of that with you since my teens are telling me some of this uh, in different ways. And I think that, thank you. I just want to stop and say that first, because it's so vulnerable and beautiful for you to say, learn from me because here's what I did really well. And here's what was really something I'm still learning. Um, But I also love that you're saying, I wanted understanding. And we know that fives are in the relationalist triad along with twos and eights. It's a triad not a lot of people know about, but I think it's helpful to hear that because you're hearing Jennifer say, I want connection and understanding. It's just that you didn't exactly have the path. And it sounds like learning more about your kids and about Enneagram and just being a lifelong learner, you have been really learning some new things. Oh yeah, definitely new things. And when you learn new things, it leads to new behaviors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I'm much better about sharing emotions, Mm -hmm. um, because of the new learning, which leads to that, Mm -hmm. um, new, new behavior and, and just really wanting, um, understanding the, you know, the, uh, how, how doing the hard things that I don't like to do, um, open up, you know, and it's just a matter of trusting, you know, I don't believe that it's going to help me to share my emotions with you. Um, and so, but, um, but then when you learn that it, that it is helpful, then it, it's that motivation. I mean, we all need motivation to do those hard things. We're not going to do them without, without that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely been motivational for me. That's beautiful. And I think that I'm just learning from you that, um, 
it has taken faith, like any five, six or seven, a thinking type. It takes a lot of faith for you to have trust that this process will work when you don't always feel it. We don't always feel this as thinking types. So trust is extremely important to you. And this process has been beautiful in the way that you have released and you have found that there is a synergistic experience of love together with your family when you're actually sharing from a heart space. And that is not intuitive because of some of the, as you said, some of the just gifts that you have that are God-given. And then some of it is these experiences that had shaped you to make you feel like this won't be the best way, or maybe brought up feelings of inadequacy, which we know sometimes fives can deal with. Um, So tell us then if there's a way to put words to it in marriage or in life in general, when a five is feeling kind of squeezed tapped out, doesn't feel like there'll be enough. What are some ways you've learned over the years to specifically put that faith into action? I think it's that reminding myself that when I did it before and there was this good result, that's what I'm looking for. You know, it's like, um, again, I'm, I, I definitely believe that motivation helps us to do hard things. And I think it takes work to find motivation to do those hard things. But the thing that's very motivating Mm -hmm. is when, um, when you step out there and, um, and you do it Mm -hmm. and then, okay, here is that confirmation. Here is the um, reward probably isn't a good word, but, um, you know, here's the good thing that came out of doing this. And so now I've got to keep that, Mm -hmm. uh, fresh in my memory. I've got to keep that, um, awareness that this, this, this can be helpful. This can work because of course, in my head, it's what I actually believe, you know, is that Mm -hmm. it's better if I keep my feelings to myself and, um, it's better if, Uh, I retreat and it's better if I, uh, you know, uh, I'm stingy. (laughs) Um, So all of those things, you know, um, but that's what I believe. And so then when I start getting stressed, then then I withdraw and and do those kinds of things. Um, But just because I believe it doesn't mean it's truth. And again, because I want to know, I want to understand, um, making sure that I'm, I believe the things that are actually, um, true. So, uh, you know, that's part of it. Just making sure that I'm, um, that the things that I'm reading and learning about are things that are actually true. Um, checking my, the things that I believe, um, are the things that I believe actually true or what I actually believe, you know, you say you believe this or that, you know, what you actually believe is what you, you know, what you live out. So, um, you know, that those kinds of things are, are important. Um, Mm. the other thing is, um, I mean, I do it in a joking way, but it really is true. I will tell people, you know, I am a terrible friend. Mm. You, you know, if you're somebody who really needs lots of friends and, you think that I'm that person. I am not that person. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, this is because they, they assume 
because I'm like, I, I can talk and I can engage with people mm -hmm. and um, I can be very interested in them sharing their emotions. I'm fine with that. Go ahead and tell me everything. I will, you know, I will listen and I will empathize, yeah. but I'm not going to reciprocate, but you know, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to help you in any way. Um, uh, don't expect me to be vulnerable and, you know, uh, ask you to, to do the same for me, but let me help you. And so they will get the idea that, you know, oh, I, I want this relationship and, and I'm going to be into it. And um, so I have to be really careful to tell people. Mm. And that's why I love the Enneagrams because I can say I'm five. <laughs> and if they know what Enneagrams are, then it, then mm. it takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. If they don't, then, okay, let me help you know what a five is because I would love to teach you about it. I'd love to teach you about Enneagrams and, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, hopefully you'll understand that I need my space and we're not going to be best friends. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, that's beautiful. And that's so comforting for fives listening. Just honestly, the way you just said that, like, and I'm sure your friends listening too, of just, okay, I may feel a lot of love from Jennifer and she may be able to support me, but it's very unlikely that our friendship is going to be built around her sharing her depths, unless she feels like we're missing a level of understanding. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly, exactly true. And it, it can be it can be tricky being a pastor's wife too, because sometimes people expect you to and want to be their friends. And, and sometimes people want to be your friend and they don't, they, they don't really have a good reason to want to be my friend. I'm not, I'm not a great friend. So, um, so sometimes it's just a position or that kind of thing. Um, and not really, you know, if you really knew me. You wouldn't choose me. You know? You're so sweet, but people do like you. I think that's also true. I think it's both. And like, they're like, I do like you and I do know you, but I do think what you're saying is true too. Like they, they don't know that that's not how you work. Right. Cause it's, it's very deceptive because the, the job positions, those kinds of things that, you know, I, I appear to be an outgoing connection oriented person and, mm -hmm. you know, um, that kind of thing. And it's exhausting. So um, like, you know, we, we're very boring. Tim is like that as well. You know um, mm -hmm. uh, he gets exhausted by that. Although on the outside, you just wouldn't recognize it. No, you wouldn't. No, absolutely. He feels very social in the way he shares messages and teaches. And I attend your church. So I know that. And I love what he shares. Now, as a fellow thinking type, I get it completely. And I think every five, six, and seven, seven listening do get that. Um, but I agree with you. It's hard to communicate different centers of intelligence to people who don't move in the world in that way. And even some sixes are extremely social, but what we even learned through our last six interview uh, with Heather Richmond was that a lot of sixes also, like you're saying about Tim, like their space. Yes. Yes. And he, he does. And it's interesting that the people that he chooses to be friends with tend to be people outside of the church. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and not, not believers, <laughs> mm -hmm. those, those tend to be the, the people that he, he feels, uh, 
really comfortable with. And, um, but again, I think some of that is because, well, they're not going to judge me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, right. We, we give pretty tall orders, even for people who are just like, Hey, I get it. And I understand that people sometimes can't be perfect. There's still a tall order on a pastoral family. Right. And I think anyone listening who's in leadership can take a deep breath with us of, you guys get it. Yeah. You know, like Tim needs friends outside of this one space because no one is perfect. And you also, like you're saying, you can't be everything to everyone. You guys are extremely busy, extremely needed. Uh, The amounts of work that you do are so tremendous and taxing that you guys need time alone. So I love that you both know that that's wonderful. Yeah. That, and that's been a, that's been a big help. Um, one of the things that uh, works well for us is um, uh, like uh, when I, if I know that Tim is going to be away for a few days or, or whatever, even if it's a month or six weeks down the road and, you know, I start feeling, um, you know, overwhelmed or whatever, needing, you know, wanting to be, you know, wanting my space. Yeah if I know that it's coming, I can hold out, you know, I can wait for it if I know it's coming. Yeah. But if I don't know that it's coming, then, uh, you know, uh, that's much, much more difficult. (laughs) Right. Because you're like, I need to at least plan for a little rest. Right. Um, Yeah. That's that's beautiful that you guys can maneuver a bit to give that. So I'm, I'm hoping spouses listening are getting some messages of give your five some space and maybe plan a few things that aren't together sometimes. Is that right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And you know, I, um, I I can, I could spend an entire day just sitting on the couch and watching Netflix Mm -hmm. as long as I planned to do that. Yeah. If I plan to do that, if it just happens that, you know, I end up doing something like that and I didn't plan to do it, I cannot enjoy it. But if I plan (laughs) to be lazy or disconnected or by myself, you know, then, oh, that is, that's even better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, alone time that's been planned is just awesome. Alone time that just happens or lazy time. I mean, lazy is probably not a good word, but yeah. Yeah. Time, uh, mindless time that is, that just happens is, um, uh, not as, not as great, but if it's planned, I'm like, okay. And just having that plan can get me through. Mm. Yeah. Mm, you've got to have What's something interesting as my girls would say, um, of course th- this is a very sick thought, but, um, Tim tells me all the time that he has to die first, which is really true. I mean, I really, I don't know that he'll survive. He, you know, he's like, which one of you are going to move in with me and help me, you know, cause I can't do this by myself. But, um, you know, my girls tease me about, you know, mom, you know, if dad, if, if dad dies, you know, we, we don't ever see you remarry. <laughs> like, yeah. we, I'm like, Oh, don't say that. I mean, I, uh, I have a great marriage and I love it. Yeah. But what they're recognizing is that I'm okay to be alone. You know, <laughs> I can, I can be by myself and, and be okay with it. You know, um, Tim on the other hand, no, he's a function. 
<laughs> that would be really, really hard. Even though we said sixes can have an introverted space, it's not the same. And this is a no, great point. No, yes. it's not the same. Yeah. That's really important. And sixes are a dependent compliant stance. And so they really do function best within and we all do as humans, but even more so. Right. And then fives are more of a withdrawing stance, as you know. So yes. exactly. So you yeah. guys, your kids know this and they're like, <laughs> oh boy, we're in for trouble. <laughs> so God knows, thankfully, and we yes. hold out faith for that as thinking types when we have our doubts. And, and that's a yes. beautiful thing that we hold on to that faith. Now, tell us what do you feel like as far as if there's a spouse who says, why does my five run out of energy? Is there an explanation for it? Is it because the head energy takes a lot, because that's often what we hear in Enneagram circles is it takes a lot of energy to hold all the information. Uh, and sometimes when you kind of get out there in the world, it comes back to you. Or do you think, no, fives right. are just low energy? Um, no, um, it, it is brain energy. So when okay. you go to sleep at night, mm-hmm. you know, these processes happen with your brain and it does all these repairs and it does all of these things so that when you wake up in the morning, you are fully charged. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But different activities have uh, a different, um, draw different amounts of energy. So one of the most brain draining things that happens is we ask questions. Mm -hmm. When you ask a question, um, and you, you know, your mind is pondering something. Mm-hmm. It it takes more brain energy to process that than it does many of the other things. And so um asking yourself why and asking yourself <laughs> what um are incredibly draining. So, you know, mm-hmm. if all circumstances are the same and you have these two people that wake up in the morning and they have exactly the same amount of brain energy. Like you have somebody who's going to ask a lot of questions um, in their own head, you know, but at thinking about those kinds of things, it, it it's going to zap their energy very quickly mm-hmm. um, because questions and, and thinking like that take a lot more effort. So it's not that we're low energy. We all start out with the same, you know, generally the same amount. It's just depending on what you do with that. Oh, yes. So it's, we work a lot harder Mm. because we, or we, we use a lot more energy because we ask more questions. Why I want to understand, I want to know, you know, where some other people can just, oh, you tell me to do that, I'm going to go do that. And I'm not going to ask why and asking why even thinking about why. So like mm. um, people who are ADD, which I am. Yes. Um, so I, uh, we constantly have to ask ourselves, what am I supposed to be thinking about? Because mm. I'm thinking about stuff, but what am I supposed to be thinking about? Well, that's a what question. What am I supposed to be doing? And so therefore it takes a lot more energy, drains a lot more energy from your brain. And so, um, you know, that's why like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, our ADD kids in school are squirrels, you know, they're just all over the place because they've used all their brain energy just getting there. So like, um, I get up in the morning and I wish I could have a routine 
but I do not. Some days I wake up and I am brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh, this is new. Um, <laughs> other days I wake up and go right to the bathroom. You know, some days I go to the kitchen. Some days I get dressed first and then put on my makeup. I mean, it's like, I just, you know, I wished I could automate it. So anything that's automated mm. is less brain energy and your brain is constantly mm. trying to automate any process that you have. So it doesn't have to think about it. But as a five, it's like, I live to think about stuff. I want to know, I want to be aware. I want to ask, you know, if you ask me to do something, you know, why, why are you asking me that? Like what's going on? Gifted kids are like that. You know, they're not being disrespectful when they want to know why Mm -hmm. they just want to know why it's just the way their brain, you know, processes, but it also is incredibly draining. Mm -hmm. Um, And because again, it's not automated anything. And that's why your brain is constantly trying to automate stuff because your brain is all about survival and making sure that you have the resources that you need. So it's constantly looking for how can it, how can it conserve and reserve energy? And it can do that if it's automated, like you get in the car and you drive to work and like, you don't know how you got there. (laughs) You know, that whole implicit memory that just kind of takes over and it it automates things for you. And so that takes a lot less energy. That's completely different from your mind. When your mind is the thoughtful place, your mind is the one that, you know, where we're going to ask questions and have connections and all that. The brain is always like survival, survival, we're not going to have enough. And so it's that constant push and pull. But that's why fives are low energy. It's we had energy. We just chose to use it on something else. You know, again, I chose to use it in my own head, maybe rather than, you know, doing something for you or, you know, something for somebody else, but that's what it is. It's just saps your energy. Wow. And that's so helpful for us to hear the differentiation from you from the inside and from the outside and all your brain research and just hearing how our brains want this efficiency. And I know they take up a good quarter of our energy and output. And here you're saying when we've got this amount going out already in our thinking, and we've heard Leslie Hirschberger on this podcast talk about how exhausting it is to be a thinking type. Um, You're really putting legs on it here to say, and nobody may be more exhausted by it than the five with the endless questions and the wisdom that fives crave and also, you know, have as a gift. And so I hear why you need to withdraw to come back and, and set and try to somehow reuptake and conserve. And I also hear you saying, earlier today that every five has their own story for why they really landed on five as a space of comfort and security. So it's helpful for spouses to hear that and other fives who are walking through this going, what am I supposed to do? What what would you say as sort of a, I guess I don't, I could talk forever with you, but I know we're asking you questions. We're exhausting. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> but let me say, what would you leave with our spouses of fives who are just trying to kind of get through and say, what can I do to help my five? What can I do to bring us closer together? Hard for me to know what to tell another number to do, but I can tell you what I do to be there for other people. And then I don't know if somebody, another number can take that 
and share that with their spouse. Mm -hmm. But like, um, one thing is to be aware um, that, you know, that mindfulness, you know, okay, if I'm going to be in my head anyway, a five, I think would be really good, maybe at being more aware of their, you know, being in that present moment and being aware what their thoughts are, Mm -hmm. because they're already in their head. So if you're aware of what your thoughts are, then you're the only thing you have to do then is just get it out. (laughs) Just say it. Because, you know, I, I, my guess is, you know, just from being with people who aren't fives that they may, their big work might be being aware of their thoughts. Where five, we are aware of our thoughts. You know, we are aware of what we're thinking and feeling. Um, We're just not telling anybody about it. So, um, you know, uh, so I do try to work on being aware of what I'm thinking and feeling so that I can make that next step and, you know, actually um, share. The other thing is, if you're not willing to share emotions, you could start by sharing what you know, because at least you're talking, at least you're, you know, let me tell you about something that I read, you know, let me tell you about something that I learned. So I'm not sharing with you an intimate emotion, (laughs) but I'm sharing with you. uh, I'm sharing with you. So that's, that's a lot. (laughs) So, you know, that you're not going to jump to let me share this deep emotion with you. If you can't share, if you're not in the practice of sharing something, so Mm. as a five, you know, okay, don't share your emotions, um, but share something. So if you like, you know, you like learning and understanding, share about something that you learned or understand. So at least you are practicing sharing and there's something, you know, there's that, that connection um, thing Mm -hmm. Um, plan for alone time, (laughs) you know, that way you can think about it. It's like coming, like I know in three weeks that I'm going to have the full day all by myself or, you know, or I'm going to have a few hours all by myself, you know, that, that kind of thing. No, you know, planning and knowing that is um, coming. And Mm. then um, the other thing for a five is that emotions are actually rational. They, Mm. they really are. It's, it's rational in the way God designed them in the way they work, the way your brain processes them that they actually come from a, a real place and a, a real thing. And there, it, uh, it doesn't happen by accident that there are all these little things. So if you like, if you're afraid of emotions, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're kind of, you know, keeping that inside because you feel like that you don't have control over it or that it can't be controlled or understood. That's really not true. I mean, what, what science tells us about emotions is that the way in which they happen is very rational, very predictable. So I'm like, okay, I can deal with rational and predictable. And if emotions are actually rational and predictable, then I can, uh, then I can kind of know when they're going to come and control them a little more. And it doesn't, I mean, in my mind, Emotional means out of control. Emotional means 
like you're going to share something that you didn't mean to share or that, you know, um, and then once it's out there, uh, <laughs> then what? So, um, but if, if you um, can understand that, that uh, emotions follow a path, they can be very predictable. I mean, it looks like they're not predictable, but actually the science is like, no, they're very predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kinds of things can help the five, you know, um, come out a little more, you know, be a, a little more, you know, bring in those other, uh, uh, those other pieces so that they, they can connect. I, I don't even know if I can think like another number <laughs> to yeah. be able to say, here's what you can do to help your five. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but those are things that I do as a five yeah. that help me, you know, make sure that I, I am connecting and staying, you know, staying strong in this relationship and, mm. um, and those kinds of, of things. So, oh, that's neat. But it's, you know, maybe, maybe for the spouse, it's, it's not personal. Like it really, it, you know, I'm not like sometimes Tim will say, um, uh, I, he'll hear me talking to somebody and he'll say, you didn't tell me that. I didn't know that you didn't tell me, you know, and, I, it, and it's, it's not personal. <laughs> I did not tell you on purpose. It was just, yeah, you know, I didn't think about it, but this person, I'm having this conversation with this person and something that they said, you know, brought that up. So it's, um, yeah, don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and it's like, you're like, I'm trying to honor the emotions when they come. And if they're safe people in general, I want to be able to like grow in this way. And that's also his six coming out. And so I love that you've given us a taste of what it's like to be in a relationship with a six too, because it it's similar, but different. And I love that you're sharing spouses. You're going to have to do some outside work, but you can at least tell them, give your five some time and some space and try not to take it too personally that they don't always want to get into emotions. Let them share with you about what they're learning and also encourage the doing. Like you said, you're, you're thinking and you're feeling, but you have to get into action. But I also heard you give a specific tip for the audience. You said, spouses that aren't used to thinking those thinking inhibited spouses, which are typically ones, twos, and sixes, they can, uh, start practicing thinking more and, uh, learning from fives. So I feel like you've given us that plus a lot of inside insights to what's happening for you guys as a five. So I'm just excited to like, listen and listen again to this episode. Thank you, Jennifer. Oh, you're welcome. It's been fun. Oh my gosh. Well, where would you encourage our listeners to go if outside of Enneagram books, if they're just like, Hey, I just, is there a book you love about the brain or a uh, brain and emotions or anything like that? Or a person um, I mentioned, yes. one person, but um, it's called the anatomy of the soul. It's Kurt Thompson. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, love that book. And mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's one that I've read. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can tell it's, Ooh. I think I spilled something on it. Um, seven and a half lessons about the brain. I just recently read that and it was really good. Yeah. A favorite one in a, in a recent. 
Thank you. I'm so glad you mentioned those. And I think listeners are going to be really eager to get their hands on them, especially if they're five listeners. So (laughs) thank you so much for your time today. We cherish it. And I'm really excited for people to learn with us. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your work and what you do. Thank you, Jennifer. I am so thankful you hung out with us. That was really special to get this time with Jennifer. I'm so grateful she gave us such a window into the soul of a five and even to be vulnerable with some of the etiology of how she knows that she adapted into this five space more uh, in the gifted way as well as in some of the traumatic ways. This is a space of empathy that we can show to our spouses and a space of compassion when we see that they relate differently than us to know that they've been touched by grief or loss and their brain has moved them into certain patterns, but that there's also growth and change and adaptability within those patterns as Jennifer showed us today. So I'm extra grateful that she's doing her work and continues to do her work. And I'm believing the same about you. So get on out there, do your work. If you want the gospel for Enneagram conference, make sure you grab that as well in the show notes. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.